The Productive Woman, Episode 33. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. As always, thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I will share with you my conversation with author and lawyer Kara Putman, who shared her thoughts on managing a busy life with a house full of kids and the pitfalls of comparison. You'll find links for Kara's bio and the various ways you can connect with her online in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 33. This episode is brought to you by Doodle, an online scheduling service that makes scheduling meetings of all kinds a breeze. Check out Doodle's great features by visiting theproductivewoman.com doodle. And now let's get right into my conversation with Kara. I am so pleased and excited to introduce Kara Putman to the Productive Woman listeners. Kara is a wife, a homeschooling mom of four, a lawyer, an author of, I think it's 19 novels now, a college instructor, a blogger, a speaker, and so much more. She's also one of the most encouraging people I've ever met, and so I'm very much looking forward to learning from her journey toward making a life that matters. So welcome, Kara. Thanks so much for having me, Laura. I always enjoy the chance to get to talk with you. Well, likewise. I guess I should say that we met online through our joint connection with the American Christian Fiction Writers. You're a leader in the organization, right? That's right. I'm on the executive board and have had leadership roles since about 2008. And so we met through that, but we had sort of an odd connection before that connection in the sense of we both lived in Nebraska. You grew up there and I lived there for 10 years and you still have family there? That's right. All of my family is there. My parents and my siblings all live within a mile of each other in uh, the last town that I lived in in Nebraska and my aunts and uncles. So Nebraska is still my home, even though I've now lived in Indiana for about 12 years. I just always thought that was coincidental that we we both were yeah. from there. I think I met your mom years ago when I was involved in the Nebraska Home Education Association way back in the day. But anyway. Yeah. Go Big Red. Yeah, exactly. So when we do these conversations on The Productive Woman, I always like to start out by asking you to tell me a little bit about what a typical day is like for you, if there is such a thing, because you have so many different things going on in your life. I was going to say it's actually there really isn't a typical day because um, things are always getting mixed up. When we're during during like the school year, um, in the morning, we do a lot of our homeschooling. I try and get as much as I can done by noon um, because then a couple of days a week, I go to Cranert where I teach graduate law classes to at the business school at Purdue University. And so on those days, then I'm gone for three or four hours with my professor hat on. And then about 4.45, the kids' activities kind of explode all over our calendar. And so I have two competitive gymnasts and a competitive swimmer, and then a four-year-old who's already telling us he will be a competitive swimmer as well. So you know, that's a lot of sports practices and then choirs. The two older kids are on a youth choir and just life like that, you know, youth group and church activities. And so from about 4.45 to 8.39 o'clock, our lives are focused on getting the kids all over town. And then about that time, I get to sit down and focus on whatever I need to do. So it might be 
work for the MBA classes that I'm taking or writing or grading or, you know, whatever is kind of on my agenda. Lots of things going on, as a lot of women have these days. Very few of us have the luxury of just one thing, one demand on our time. And I think that's just kind of how life is right now. And, you know, as I look at the women around me, even the more, you know, traditional stay-at-home moms are so active in the community and doing things that, I mean, they have full-time jobs in addition to their house and taking care of their kids and things like that. So it seems like, and at least with the people I hang out with, that life just moves at such a fast pace. And so, you know, being able to carve out the time to do what you want to do without losing life in the middle of it can be a real challenge. Yeah. And I guess that is one of the reasons for this show that we all have different ways of sort of managing those challenges and we can learn, I think, from each other. Although I want to talk a little bit later about something you recently blogged about. But what are some of the biggest challenges that you face when it comes to managing your life? I guess in this context of having so many different hats that you wear, is it getting it all done? Is it organizing your stuff or your time? What are the Mm -hmm. challenges that you particularly notice? I think for me, um, because I am very much a type A person, I am very much a give me a list, I can check right through it and get it all done and live for that sense of accomplishment. For me, it's often just the ability to stop and slow down and breathe because I can fill my plate so full that I never have a chance to just stop and pause. And so really trying to, I guess right now, you know, live in that moment and be willing to step away from my list. And I am terrible at that. It's something that, I mean, it just hit me a couple days ago. Our oldest is leaving for college in three years. And so, you know, wanting to make sure I'm capturing those moments, our youngest is four now. And so, you know, being willing to step away from the list, you know, really being intentional about what I'm saying yes to so that I don't lose the living in the middle of all the activity. I think that's a challenge for a lot of us. And it's funny because just the episode that I published last week was about that concept of identifying what's the most important, what is really essential in life, and being willing to say no to everything else. And I know personally, I have a really hard time saying no because I don't like to disappoint people and I don't want to miss anything. Exactly. Yes. And uh, as I said in in the last episode, reading Greg McKeon's book, Essentialism, really has inspired me to think differently about that and to think about the fact that saying no now doesn't necessarily mean saying no forever. Exactly. And that's one of the things that, you know, my mom is a very wise woman. And I can remember as I was 16, 17, starting college and packing my schedule full of things and running, 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 running. And she would kept saying, there are seasons. And then as I got married and I had our first child and I'm in law school and working full time and all this, and she'd go, there are seasons. And I kept going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now that is probably what I tell most young moms the most. You can do it all, but you may not be able to do it all at the same time. And so recognizing that just because right now things look like this doesn't mean in a year, in two years, in six months even, it's going to look the same. And in May, I get my master's of business administration. And so I'm really trying to be intentional about what does that next season look like? My husband has kept saying, can you please just not immediately fill that time that's going to be freed up now that you're not taking classes? And so I'm really am trying to kind of step back and go, all right, what should this next season look like? 
now that one season is coming to an end. And being intentional about it. Exactly. Maybe that's the key. I think it's easy to just sort of go from one day to the next and sort of take things as they come and not really think about the choices we're making. Yeah. And life just moves so fast. And if you're someone who is productive, who is effective at getting things done, then the reality is you're always going to be asked to do more. You know, that whole 2080 rule, you know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work and it doesn't take very long for people to figure out if you're in the 20 or the 80. And so if you're in the 20, you're going to be asked to do lots of things. And the challenge is for, I think, especially for women like you and me is thinking, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I could do that. I could do a really good job with that. And then being able to say, but do I want to do that? Is that where I want to invest my time right now? The fact that I can do it doesn't mean that I should do it. What a great point and something I need to remember all the time and remind myself. Yeah, I've, I'm right there with you. You know, it's, it's it's so easy to say some of these things, but then the living it out is really the challenge. Yeah. And, you know, I one of the things that I try to do is live my life with an open hand. Yeah, I've written 19 novels and a nonfiction. I just signed a contract for the next one. And I love the writing. I love this life. I love the career. I love what I get to do. But still trying to hold it with a very open hand and saying, okay, God, is this chapter in my life done? Is it time to move to something else? Because I always want to make sure I'm right where he wants me. Because it doesn't matter how much I'm enjoying it, how much satisfaction I get from it. If it's not what he wants me to be doing, then it's a waste of time. Very good point. Good reminder. Thanks for that. In the sort of practical logistics of managing a busy life, are there any particular tools you like or resources that you recommend in terms of managing all the different things and making sure the things that you are taking on are getting done? Are you one of those that uses a particular planner or books that you've read that you like? You know, when it comes to, it kind of depends on the hat I'm wearing at the moment. I am still a paper calendar person, but the paper calendar is on our refrigerator. I should take a photo and send it to you. Oh, definitely. When you've got four kids, it's hard to find a calendar that has enough space to manage a busy mom, a busy dad, and then busy kids. And so it took some kind of going back and forth to figure out which one worked well for us. And so this year it's the busy mom's calendar, but there's another one um, that has some fun cartoons on it that I, I kind of go back and forth between the two. And so that's on the refrigerator. Uh, and that's where I kind of manage like the global family. Here's what's going on. And I'm constantly telling my husband, I'm like, if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't matter how many times you've told me, I'm going to forget. So it has to go on the calendar if you want me to be able to remember it. Even then I have to look at the calendar, but because it's on the fridge, there's a better chance I'll actually see it. <laughs> and then. Um, I really started using my uh, iPhone calendar app a lot because I just realized, you know, especially for those things like orthodontist appointments or things like that, where, uh, or this interview where it's not one of those, it's happening every day or every week. I need those reminders to pop up. Even things as simple as pick my daughter up from the high school, because otherwise, you know, the morning just gets going and I can be like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to have gotten her. And so I've really tried to recognize I don't have to keep it all in my brain. It helps free me in a sense to be able to get it in a calendar of some sort where I'm going to hear a visual alert. I mean, I, there are some that I know I'll hear it and I'll be like, oh yeah, I've got to go do that. I don't even have to look at it because I just know it's reminding me that, you know, Abigail has to let the neighbor's dogs out or whatever. 
Then, you know, when it comes to different slices of my life, there are different tools I use. For social media, I'm cheap. And so I haven't paid for a lot of the snazzier versions of things, but I love Mm buffer.com. It's a great app. What I try to do, especially recognizing that my life goes in some pretty busy seasons and yet publishing expects me to have a social media presence. I try to pre-program a lot of things so that I might take an hour once a week or once every couple of weeks. And I will program out posts for Twitter and for my personal page through Buffer. I also use TweetDeck sometimes. And then I've got on my Facebook page, I can go out a month where I at least know there are going to be certain things that if I have a day that implodes and I just can't get online, it's okay. There's still stuff going up. So just trying to automate some of those things to ease the burden has really been helpful. I love Buffer as well. And uh, I know a lot of people use that for social media kind of scheduling and and getting things queued up to go uh, because a lot of us can't just sit at our computers all day. And Exactly. And I'm, I'm really trying to back away from spending so much time connected to the computer because when I'm connected to the computer, I'm not connected to the people around me. And so by having things like Buffer, I can just kind of go, it's, it's okay. You know, if I have five minutes waiting to pick a kid up to check Twitter or whatever, that's great. But if not, everything's still going to be going. The other aspect of Buffer that I think people don't always use are the analytical tools that come with it. About a year and a half ago, when I was really trying to figure out, okay, what was working with my social media presence, what was resonating, what wasn't, Buffer has a really cool tool on one of their tabs where it will let you see in a very visual way, the reach of your different tweets. Are people interacting with your Facebook stuff? And so it can be a really quick snapshot. The only challenge with Buffer is it only lets you do that for one Facebook account. So I chose my profile. But then when you're in the Facebook tools, you can do a lot of that as well for the page, seeing how people are interacting with it. And so I try to keep an eye on those things and on things like clout, my clout score, just to make sure that what I'm doing is resonating with my audience. Because if it's not, then I need to stop or I need to reevaluate and make sure, because if I'm just throwing stuff out there into the social media space and nobody's interacting with it, then it's a waste of everybody's time. Yeah. And I think that's a really good reminder for listeners who have some sort of business that they use social media as a means of interacting with their clients, their customers, their prospective audience, those sorts of things. You know, and maybe there's a bigger perspective to what you just said that that if you're doing something and it's not having an impact on the people you're trying to connect with then it is not a good use of time and it's worthwhile to reevaluate and try another approach well and i think that you know there's so much focus on you know you have to have the social media presence and you have to be out there and i keep backing up and going but why i t- you know you're an attorney too so you probably live your life in that why question why why do we do that? Why do we do it this way? Why do we do it that way? Why don't we change things up? Blah, 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 the why. It's what drives me crazy in my MBA classes sometimes is they forget the why piece. <laughs> and I sit there and go, okay, yeah, I appreciate the fact that I need to have a social media platform. I get that. That's fine. But I had to really back up and go, okay, so publishers want it. Great. I understand that. But why do I need to do it? Why has God given me a platform? And so really backing up And trying to figure out the why has helped a lot just with even targeting what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And even within, you know, the published author community, you'll find a lot of 
not necessarily disagreements, but different perspectives. And so for some people, it's like, well, if you can't sell a book off of it, don't do it. And for me, I'm like, you know, the books are a piece of what I do. It gives me a platform, but then I'm like, okay, God, but why do I have this platform? Is it to encourage other women? Is it to create a sense of community in a world that is so fractured and divided that we can all know lots of people, but not be known by very many people? And so, you know, for me, it's actually that secondary piece. If I sell some books, fantastic. That's great. But that's not the primary reason I'm doing it. So even taking the time to step back and figure out, okay, why? What's the why behind all these different things I'm doing can, I think, really help us then focus in on, at this season in my life, where am I supposed to be putting my time? Yeah, really a great perspective. I, I've thought about that a lot myself in, in terms of what I do with this podcast and other things. And for me, at this stage of my life and with what I'm doing, for me, it's the difference between do I want an audience mm-hmm. or do I want relationships? Yeah. And I want relationships. I think that's a heart cry for a lot of people because our lives are moving so fast that it's hard to have that face-to-face, hey, let's have coffee. Yeah. And to have people who know me, who know me deeply, who can call me when I'm being stupid and go, <laughs> what are you thinking? You know, versus, oh, there's Kara, Wonder Woman, the do-it-all mom, you know, and we want that real life. I want to do life with people. And so that's one of the reasons I've been excited about this new endeavor I'm doing with a, a group of other authors called The Grove. And we realize that there's just such a heart cry among women to be known and to know there's, let's share stories. Let's see what God's doing. Let's encourage each other. And so at a time in my life where I'm like, I'm already really busy, it's like God's called me into something new because of that heartfelt cry and that heartfelt need that I went, you know what, this just dovetails with everything else that I'm doing. And so it just made a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. There's a question I always like to ask guests, but before I get to that, I want to ask you about something you blogged about recently that has really, it resonated with me because it's part of the foundation behind why I'm doing this podcast and why I want to do it the way I do it. And you you blogged about comparison and you were talking Mm -hmm. specifically, I think, in the context of motherhood, but it certainly applies in a broader way to us as women and as human beings. And you, there were a couple of things you said in that post that I thought, you know, were so profound and so important. And um, without going into the, you know, the whole, reading the whole post to you, the, the two points that you made that I thought were so valuable and so important were that comparing leads to the belief we're failing and comparison isolates me, you said, from my fellow moms. Mm-hmm. Talk about that because I think that's so, so important for us to recognize. We have this tendency to look around us, compare our insides to other people's outsides and think we're doing it wrong and this isolation that comes from that. I love that, comparing our insides to other people's outsides. And that's really profound because I know everything that I'm doing and everything that I think I'm failing on and all the areas that I need to improve and grow in. And yet I see everybody's perfect exterior. You know, I've got makeup on this morning. Why? Not because I want to, I can go days without makeup, but because as soon as this is over, I'm headed somewhere else. And so, you know, we've got to put on that persona, that appearance. And so one of the things that I've not struggled with, but I'm always very aware of is people tend to look at me 
And then they compare what they're doing to what I'm doing, or I do the same thing to them. I mean, I can always find someone who's more organized and with it and doing more and more effective than I am. And then we belittle what we're doing. It may be what God's called us to at this time. And I hate that pedestal. You know, when my friend Nicole O'Dell dubbed me the do-it-all mom, that doesn't feel good to me because then like that puts me on this pedestal of, oh, Kara's got it all together. I don't. I'm a mess. You know, there's that line from, I don't know if you've seen Mom's Night Out, Mm -hmm. you know, and she talks about, I'm a mess, but I'm a beautiful mess. And, you know, there's value in that because I'm a child of God, essentially. Every time I see that movie, I bawl at that point because it resonates at such a deep level. But when we're constantly comparing ourselves to someone else, or we feel like they're comparing themselves to ourselves, it puts a barrier between authenticity because I feel like I have to look like the perfect, have it all together, do it all mom. So I can't be real. And yet it's when we're real about our struggles, about, you know, I lost it a couple days ago with my kids because I just couldn't handle it anymore. That's what other people need to see that, okay, there's grace in that. There's an, a learning moment. There's letting my kids see that, you know, I'm not perfect. And it, there's God's grace. God's grace has to extend to all kinds of things. And so if we can stop comparing, then I think we can come into community. But as long as we're constantly looking at other people and seeing what they're doing or what we're perceiving that they're doing better than we are, it becomes a barrier. And I think Satan likes nothing more than keeping us isolated and by ourselves. I agree 100%. And I've talked about that more than once in the past. And and it's a big part of why I launched this podcast, because I can't tell the number of times in the course of my life that I've been in a situation where I'm struggling with something and I'm looking around and everybody else seems to have it figured out. So what I think is, okay, it's me. They've all got it figured out. I'm the one, only one that's having a problem with this. So I better not let them know or they won't like me or they'll... Exactly. And so I made a decision, uh, you know, a while back that, you know what, I'm just going to tell the truth as I see it. I'm going to be who I am. And maybe I, I don't have all the answers. I don't have this podcast because I've got it figured all out how to be productive. But I think amongst us, if we can all sort of open up and share we can figure out some answers. We can learn from each other instead of trying to impress each other. Exactly. And I think that that's one of the huge things is how can I learn from other people? How can I learn from you who's walked through the journey? You know, your kids are now on the side of adulthood, whereas I'm getting close to that. And how can I be encouraged to stay the course that, you know, the days that are really hard, I'm doing the work that's going to lead to great adult kids. It would be much easier not to have those tough conversations. Mm -hmm. I had to have one this week with my 14-year-old, and she's amazing. She's this incredible kid, but we're seeing a character issue. And so having that conversation, when it would be much easier to just be like, no, I just want to be your friend. And I'm like, that's not my job right now. But if I'm not able to see the fruit of doing the hard stuff now, why would I? It's much easier to just let things go. But that's where the living in community becomes so important. The having the moms who are five years down the journey or a couple of years behind me so that we can all live and grow and learn together from each other. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the point. I think isolation prevents that and comparison isolates. So I loved that blog post, both from the perspective of motherhood, but just in general, there's so much we can learn from each other and support each other if we're willing to be real. Absolutely. It's that being willing to pull back the mask and say, this is who I really am. With all of the challenges and the real life, 
But this is where it is. This is where I am. And so that's so important. I agree. Well, let me ask this. I always like to ask because I know part of the answer and uh, this kind of goes to that point of being real. And so for you, as the some have dubbed you the the mom who does it all or the do it all mom, do you ever have a day when it just all gets away from you or you get stressed (laughs) out and overwhelmed? And again, I know the answer to that part because it's the same answer for all of us. But what when you have that kind of day. What do you do to get back on track? Oh, it depends on the day. Some days I just crawl into my bed and pull the covers over my head and <laughs> lock the door. I'm like, just leave me alone for a little bit. You know, it really does. It depends. One of the things that I traditionally do in the spring is I train for a mini marathon, but this spring we're in the middle of moving. So I don't have my treadmill. And I was like, but I've got to have that exercise release. Um, Because for me, exercise is definitely a stress reliever. And so the busier I am, the more I need the exercise. And so some days it's really just going, you know what? I'm going to chuck the schedule and I'm going to go pop in an exercise video for half an hour and do something that really is just for me. But man, it makes a difference for the whole family. Sometimes it's pulling away and going, okay, you know what? I haven't spent time with God today or yesterday or the day before. So I've got to take 10 minutes and just recenter and refocus on what's really important. So it really depends on the day and why life exploded. Was it because I've been up till two working on different projects and so I'm tired and I need to go crawl in bed for a little bit? Is it, you know, that I'm disconnected from God? You know, what is it? And so really having some self-awareness or am I just so stressed that I've got to just go release it through some exercise? And so it really does change based on the day. I think that's true for all of us. And I loved what you just said, that it's about self-awareness. You know, it's knowing what is causing me to feel this way and what do I need to do to deal with it? So Exactly. And that's something that I can say, you know, now that I'm on the very early side of 40, I'm more aware of than I was as a 20-year-old. You know, I can look back at like the early years of our marriage and I just feel for my husband (laughs) because I've been a type A since I was probably born, but I didn't have the awareness to go, you know, I'm just really tired right now. I need to take something out of my schedule. It's okay if it doesn't all happen today, tomorrow, whatever. And so, you know, that self-awareness has really grown. Yeah. And that's something I wish I could give to other, you know, 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds is, you know, that whole perspective of, Just that sense of what's really important in the moment, in the realm of eternity, just isn't as important to figuring out the difference. That is one of the great advantages of becoming, you know, as I'd like to say, a a woman of a certain age. Exactly. (laughs) There are a lot of women who become women of a certain age, but never figure that out. And so, you know, being able to, to really hone in on that, I think, is an important life skill. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this has been great. Uh, Kara, what's on the horizon for you? What, you have books coming out, a new book out. Uh, you, you've mentioned that you're going to be finishing up your MBA soon. Um, what else? It's kind of one of those exciting times in life where the what's next is a little nebulous. I just signed a contract for a book that Trisha Goyer and I are actually going to be writing together for one of um, Guidepost mystery series. And I've got a legal thriller that's kind of circulating. I'm massaging it a little bit more, but there's been some interest in that. So watch out, John Grisham, Kara Putman may be coming. (laughs) And then, you know, when it comes to the kind of the rest of my life, I'm very much in a seeking stage of, am I supposed to start teaching more? Is the law piece of my life supposed to kind of come back up into the balance a little bit more? I'm really not sure. And so I tell a lot of people, I'm living kind of in that place where... 
I can't wait to be 10 years down the road and look back and be able to say, oh, that's why God had me go back to school and get the MBA because he knew I would need it for this five years in the future because getting that has really been an act of obedience. And so I'm very interested to see why I needed to do it and how he's going to use it. Well, it'll be interesting to see, you know, from a distance what it is, <laughs> that it, how it all comes together. Where can people connect with you online? Where do you like people to connect? Well, my website is simply my name, caraputman.com. And then I'm on Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. And it's all my name. It's all caraputman, whatever the, the social media outlet is. And so I really love interacting with people. So if you're on Twitter and that's how you like to interact, then find me on Twitter. If it's Facebook, we have some really fun conversations on my Facebook page. And so it's a really great way to come and interact with a whole group of people. And then, you know, Instagram's where you find out about my family because I kind of keep that one a little smaller on purpose. But Pinterest is where you can find out about my books. I put up all kinds of like the research and things behind the books, but my blog's where I do a lot of kind of the deep thinking, I guess. And so it's always interesting to see what happens there. Yeah. I'm also on Inspired by Life and Fiction and uh, the Writer's Alley and The Grove. So you can find me on those group blogs as well. And I'll make sure to put links to all that in the show notes, which um, folks can find at theproductivewoman.com slash 33. And uh, I encourage folks to connect with Kara. She's a, a great encourager, and there's a lot of stuff going on online with, in the Kara Putman world. Any last words, Kara, for the listener who might be looking for a little help in getting things done and, and making a life that matters? You know, I would say that the, the best advice I have is to really kind of step back and sit down with a journal and with God and just say, okay, God, help me to identify what are the things I'm doing right now that do matter, that the places where you want me to invest my time. Are there things that I need to get rid of that I need to cut out, even if it's just for a season? And then look for where God is and see how you can come be a part of what he's doing. And so you know, I really think it is just important, especially the more overwhelmed we feel, to step back and just really have that ongoing conversation with God. You know, if it takes getting your calendar out and going, what do we cut? You know, what do I need to adjust, even if it's just for a month? or for a couple months, it's worth doing. And so just really live with that open hand and kind of that heart attitude that says, God, I'm here. Use me however you want to. Very great advice. Thank you so much, Kara, for taking the time to be on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Laura. It's always fun to have a conversation with you. I am so grateful to Kara for taking the time out of her busy schedule to share her thoughts on managing a busy life and reminding us how important it is that we not compare ourselves to others. What do you think? Do you have any questions for Kara? Was there anything she said that particularly resonated with you? Please feel free to ask your questions or share your thoughts by going to theproductivewoman.com slash 33. You can scroll down to the comments section and leave comments there. A couple of quick announcements before we wrap up. There's one last opportunity for your input for the upcoming episode on productivity rules that don't work. So if there are any 
productivity rules, you know, things about time management or organization that you've read or heard the experts say you must do this uh, that don't work for you, email those to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com or you can leave a voice message either at the website or on the Facebook page. There's a button on both that you can click just to leave a quick voice message about the productivity rules that don't work for you. I'm always happy to hear from you about anything. Um, Your suggestions and ideas are very important to me. There's any number of ways you can reach me. If you want to participate in a public conversation, you can share your questions or thoughts either in the comments section of the show notes or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman's Facebook page. I monitor and respond to both of those, so love to hear from you there. But if you want to share your thoughts with me privately, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com or, again, leave a voice message on the website or on Facebook. I want to thank, and forgive me if I pronounce your name wrong, It's I think it's Bella Rose. She's on Twitter, at Delight Marriage. Thank you, Bella, for your kind words on Twitter this week. She said, I just got turned on to your podcast, Wonderful Insights on Productivity, and really appreciated hearing from her. I'm on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Laura McMom, so you can connect with me there as well. If you enjoy the podcast, if you think other folks might like it as well, I would appreciate it if you'd consider rating and reviewing The Productive Woman in iTunes or Stitcher. There are links to subscribe or to rate and review in the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 33. Before we wrap up, I do want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Doodle. If you've ever had to schedule a meeting or a family reunion or some sort of event that you had to coordinate schedules of a bunch of different people, you will love Doodle. Uh, You know that scheduling a meeting with a group of people can be really a frustrating and terribly time-consuming process. So Doodle solves that problem. It's an online scheduling tool that makes it simple to schedule a meeting with one or more people. I'm one of over 24 million people who use Doodle to save time and schedule a wide variety of events, and you can be one of those people too. You don't have to register, so getting started is very simple. To schedule a meeting, you simply select some possible dates by clicking on a a a calendar within the app on the website. Then you enter the email addresses of the participants whose schedules you're trying to coordinate, and it sends an email out to them, and they can just click on a link, come back to it, and choose among the options you've put there as to which ones work for them. And with a very quick look, you can see everybody's availability and then make a quick decision for your event date that satisfies the entire group. Doodle can be used to schedule things like business meetings, holiday parties, family reunions, or even just dinner with friends. It's just a very simple alternative to emailing or texting back and forth. Uh, The basic scheduling service is free. They also offer a free personal scheduling profile called Meet Me that looks pretty cool. Premium Doodle is available starting at only $39 a year, which is a a bargain for what it does. It offers additional features such as calendar integration, automatic reminders, and much more. As I said, you can get started for free by visiting their website, 
Be sure to check out their iPhone and Android apps. They tell me they're, they'll be launching new apps in April 2015. So I look forward to seeing what they do because I use the app on my iPhone and really find it useful. So scheduling doesn't have to be a pain. Make it an enjoyable experience with Doodle. Learn more at theproductivewoman.com doodle. And thank you to Doodle for supporting The Productive Woman. One last reminder, if you're listening to this episode in March 2015, you can still vote daily for The Productive Woman and the other Noodle Mix podcasts that are finalists in the 10th Annual Podcast Awards. Please go to theproductivewoman.com slash podcast awards to learn how and where to vote. It's very simple. It only takes a minute and you can do it once each day until March 24th when the voting closes. Thank you very much for your support of The Productive Woman and the other podcasts in the Noodle Mix Network. And I think that's it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you for spending this time with me and with Kara. Uh, thank you again to Kara for her taking her time to share her insights with us. I hope you found something in this episode that is useful to you. And I so much look forward to talking with you again soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.